We've seen Chef Brian Duffy on Spike TV's Bar Rescue, NBC's Today Show, and opening bars and restaurants all over the world. Now he's sharing his stories, his friends, and some tips of the trade he's learned along the way. Prepare yourself to get Duffified. This is Duffified Live with Chef Brian Duffy on Radio Influence. All righty, everybody. Happy Friday morning. It is Duffified Live today. And as you can tell, I'm super, unbelievably energetic. I uh, have had a great, I do it every week. I say I've had a great couple of weeks. I don't think I have shitty weeks. I really try not to have shitty weeks um, because it, it's just not worth it. It's just not fun. It just doesn't it, eh, fuck that. It's just not worth it. So I try to have super awesome weeks. Um, so let's kind of do a little bit of uh, a little chatty chat about what's going on in the world. Um, I just got back from, uh, well, I guess I'm recording this a week ahead. Yeah, I'm recording it the week ahead. So I just got back from Jacksonville, Florida. And I'm on my way this week to uh, Lenexa, Kansas, which I cannot wait for. I, I like Kansas. I'm a big fan of it. It's like meat and potatoes, man. That's where everything happens. So uh, I just got back, though, from uh, Jacksonville, Florida. I had a boatload of fun out there. I do a lot of really cool stuff for General Electric for their appliance division, but they're super fun to do because I get like 100 to 150 people in one central location. And then we go through this crazy like hour long demo. We cook crazy food. It's a lot of fun. I meet some awesome, awesome people. So I want to thank everybody down there um, from uh, uh, First Supply who, who, who let us in and GE Appliance. I want to thank you guys for letting me in there as well. It was really just a great week. Um, had a lot of fun. Um, I'm actually uh, recording this while I'm heading to San Francisco. Um, I'm getting ready to go out for the California Walnut Board. So I'm going to be out there playing with walnuts with a couple great friends of mine. You guys all know my buddy, Chad Rosenthal. He's going to fly out with me. We're flying out Sunday morning. We get to go into the Redwoods in the Russian River um, about an hour and a half outside of San Francisco where we're going to literally... We're going to harvest walnuts, man. Um, and we're going to have a whole kind of camp thing. They're calling it Camp Walnut for this week. So we're getting ready to go out there. That's going to be a big week for me. I'm going to chat with a couple of people while I'm out there. I'm going to record some people while I'm out there as well so that we can get a couple of good little clips of some really fun people during a really fun time. Um, <clears throat> I work for a group uh, that, that is, that oversees the board for nightclub and bar. Uh, I'm sorry for nightclub and bar. What am I talking about for the California Walnut board? Um, they are actually a marketing company that, uh, is, how can I explain what they do? They like oversee everything that has to do with the marketing for a whole bunch of big brands like Lamb Weston, California Walnut Board, the Peruvian Avocado. Um, and the name of the company uh, is Evans, Hardy & Young. And they're a, a marketing group. And there's a woman that I work with called Emily Nordy, and she is the public relations director for this group. So, you know, one of the neatest parts about, about doing these events, these things that I do is because I get to go out there and I get to see the process. You know, the, we, we've, we've followed shows and all that stuff about soil to table and how it ends up there. And for me, it's more than that. I want to see what's involved in it, the full process. So to stick my foot in the dirt and to put that shovel deep in and pull those potatoes up and then watch those potatoes go through the process. You know, yes, it's a frozen food product, but one of the neat things about it is is the process that it goes through is typically anywhere from four to eight hours out of the dirt. So 
we can talk about hand cutting a fry. We can talk about having a fresh cut fry, but I'll tell you what, some of the stuff that I had out there, there was nothing that was anything fresher. Um, I actually had potatoes shipped back to me. I got to play with them for a little bit um, because again, it's a shelfable um, item. It's a shelfable produce, a tuber. Um, so they're actually, I've got some sitting in my kitchen right now that I've been getting around to, getting around to playing with, but I've been on the goddamn road too much. So there's only so much that I can do, but what I'm getting at with this is that some of the people that I meet out on these events aren't just about um, chefs. We don't just sit and talk about food. We talk about all sorts of other stuff. And there's a guy that I got to meet while I was on this tour um, who was uh, he, he was a good dude. And I wasn't 100% sure what he did. Um, until I got out there, I read a little bit of the bio. I knew he was a big Instagram guy. I knew he had a lot to do with stuff like that, but I wasn't 100% sure. So when I got out there, we introduced, you know, he introduces himself to me, I introduced myself to him and we start to talk. And the more that I talked to this guy, the more intrigued I was. And it was immediate to me that I wanted to have him on the show because <clears throat> this guy is uh, a marketing master. Listening to the way that he talks about marketing and what he does with the social media aspect of it is, is brilliant. It's really pretty awesome to listen to. For somebody like me who's out there and I'm always trying to create great content for everybody, um, and I think I do, whether it be my feet or my girls or the dog or the tremendous amounts of food that I get to eat while I'm on the road that I try to share with you guys, um, I learned a lot from this guy. And it was important to me to be able to get him on the show so that we can have a conversation and bring you, bring him and some of the knowledge that he has back out to you guys. But it's not just about his marketing ability. It's also the simple fact that he owns the owns and runs the number one French fry Instagram account out there. The number one French fry account that's on Instagram is run by this guy. Ready? Let's back it up a little bit further. The number one burger account that's out there is run by this guy. Okay. You want to talk about Burger Week and all the cool stuff that happens in New York? It's been put on and presented and created by this guy. Okay. So I want everybody to do me a favor. You guys know the routine. I want you to turn the radios up, get those headphones on, get those kids out of the car if that's what you got to do because there's chances are that I'm going to curse. I want everybody to do me a huge favor as well. Put your hands together. Welcome to Duffified Live. Rev CNCO. Rev, what's up, brother? Hi, buddy. How are you? I'm pretty awesome, man. I'm pretty awesome. I, I, I may be doing a little bit better than you. <laughs> well, that's a great way to rub it in. Uh, just a touch. <laughs> I mean, I can walk and use both of my hands. <laughs> that's, that is definitely uh, an improvement over my current situation. <laughs> um, I want to get into that in one sec. Rev, do me a favor, please, and uh, tell, us, tell us what your name is and tell us how we can get in contact with you and who the hell you are. <laughs> uh, so my real name is David uh, Ciancio, but nobody calls me that. Everybody calls me Rev. Uh, quick story behind that. I was ordained in 1997, and uh, I started signing my emails, Rev David Ciancio, and people didn't realize it was my title. Uh, uh, and they just started calling me Rev, and I just went with it. So, uh, which, which we are both reverends. It is, yeah, same thing. We were ordained at the same ministry, which is the Universal Life Church in Modesto, California. That is true. Uh, and we are both members of the cloth, and I'll tell you a funny story about that later. So go for it. See, it's funny. Most people probably walk around calling you Chef, right? But that's your title. That's who you are. Most people call me Rev, thinking it's my name, not realizing it's a title. <laughs> <laughs> 
Good times. So, how, do, how do people get in touch with me? Uh, I have the same, I know you're a fan of this. I have the same screen name on every social media platform. It's just my name, Reb CNCO. And if you're like, I can't remember how to spell that, or I can't even figure it out, just Google expert burger taster and I'll be the top seven to 11 organic results. <laughs> and I told you guys, he knew everything about himself. I told you. I, the guy I, knows. The one thing I'm an expert on is myself. <laughs> Tell me this. What are your Instagram accounts? Uh, my main Instagram account is just my name. So it's at Rev Ciencio and it's a, a collection of, of, of um, gratuitous comfort foods. Uh, but then I run an all French fry themed Instagram account called fun with fries. Um, I have one that is all hamburgers called the Burgerati, uh, where I share picture other people's posts of hamburgers and my own as well. Um, I call it like the elite burger society. Uh, and then my last one is steak club seven. Uh, and that is the world's number one steak club. So it's me and a bunch of other New York based fine dining influencers who go out and eat steak once or twice a week and, and share it on social media. Dude, you didn't tell me that one steak. One seven five. Oh, steak club. club seven. There it is right there. Rev, I already kind of talked about like how we connected out in uh, in Washington when we were out there for Lamb Weston and doing all that cool stuff with those guys. But one of the things that I talked about was not just the, the, the French fry part and the burger part, but it also had a lot to do with the marketing part of what you do, which which led into, if I'm not mistaken, led into the, the French fry, the burger, the steak and everything else. Like, how did you, how, what, what, first off, what do you do as a, as a real job? So my, my real job, my day job, the, you know, how I get my bills paid. Uh, I'm the director of industry insights for a company called Yext. That's Y-E-X-T. Uh, and they are a New York uh, city based software solution that businesses from, you know, mom and pop shops all the way up to, you know, Home Depot's and, and McDonald's of the world can use to manage all the public facts, which we call digital knowledge um, about their business everywhere they live online. So what is that name, address, phone number, hours of operation? You know, if you're a restaurant, restaurant, your menu, your services, you know, are you handicap accessible? Basically any information that somebody could search about a business online, we get all of that organized. And then we updated every single place that lives on the internet, Google, Bing, Yahoo, Foursquare. Keep, I can keep going. And your, uh, your website, it also then helps you manage your public reputation. So all of your ratings and reviews on all those sites. And it's really like a one-stop shop marketing platform to help you ensure your customer journey and make sure that your information is correct everywhere it lives online. I mean, this is like, how long has a company like this been around? Uh, Yext has been around in one form or another for about 10 years, but they went public uh, in April of 2017. Jeez. And is this the only thing that this company does? Uh, yeah, it's just a software. I mean, we're constantly iterating that software and coming up with new tools and new tactics and new things it can do, but yeah, it's just a software company. I mean, like at what, at what point was there a realization that this is something that's needed? Uh, I mean, you'd have to ask our CEO, Howard Lerman. Uh, I know the company has had a few versions of this, but I think he, you know, in the 10 years of the company, he's kind of always had this vision of like, uh, you know, if I'm summing up 10 years of the company in a few sentences of, of like this perfect internet where businesses are in control of their own information. Right. Right. And I think just as, as the company's grown and, you know, they brought in more engineers and more strategy people and more sales and blah, blah, blah. They've been able to iterate this product into this incredibly powerful machine. 
and how, I, I mean, you know, I, we all, I don't think we all get it, but I know that a lot of us have the, the basic gist of, of SEO. And when you and I were talking, I mean, I, I learned a shitload just in, in like the six minutes <laughs> that we really did talk about it because you were saying that like, we all think, Hey, it's great. My, my Instagram and Twitter are chef Bryduff. Like they're the same exactly the way. So, so it happens. All my information on those two pages is exactly the same, but, but it's not the same for everybody. And it actually ends up screwing up your, your searchability. Is that what I'm to understand? If it's not the same? Sure. So uh, let me, I'm going to explain that a slightly different way. Um, so, <laughs> So you were wrong, Brian. Now no, I'm going to school you. No, no, I'm going to quote Google. That way I sound smart. Um, <laughs> so in 2016, Google came out and said, look, you know, you want to know how we decide what answers to put in the map pack. So, you know, when you search for like a restaurant, you get three answers with the little map picture. Right. right? Google said, here's how we choose what answers to give prominence, distance and relevance and relevance is what you're talking about. And so the way that Google sort of judges relevance is if Google has that your phone number for your business is, you know, 215-555-1212, but they look at Yelp and it's 215-556-1212 and they look at TripAdvisor and it's different again, it doesn't give Google confidence that the information that they have about that business is is correct. So if you were searching for best pizza near me and your information is wrong on all, or different on all these sites, Google's going to pick another business to put in the, the map pack instead, whose information is the same everywhere. And so that's sort of what it is, is, is having perfect information everywhere on the internet has an SEO, uh, uh, an SEO, uh, it helps your SEO. It, it has a benefit. Got it. So it's all kind of, as long as you're consistent, then Google's going to say, okay, this is a real valid account and we're going to move you guys forward. More or less. It basically gives them a signal of confidence. Let me put it this way. If I asked you, Hey, where's the best pizza in Philly? And I asked nine other people and I got 10 different answers. Right. I, I, I don't know. I don't have any confidence, but if I ask you and nine other people, where's the best pizza in Philly? I get the same answer every time. Well, I'm going to that pizzeria. You're going to go to that. Right. Exactly how Google works. Nice. I like that. I, and I never, I mean, I've always kind of thought of myself as somebody who, who got that, who, who, who understood that. And then I started getting involved with clients and I'm like, okay, let's do a social media evaluation, you know, and, and we've gone through and my assistant does these crazy social media evaluations. She pulls up all of their information, finds all the kind of inconsistencies that are happening between them, what you're using, what you're not using. And it's funny how, how in so many cases people have, two, three, or four accounts for Instagram or Twitter. Like, you know, I mean, I've got clients in North Carolina right now and they have two different accounts. One is Winston-Salem, one is Winston-Salem or WSNC because they, somebody set up the first account and then they lost the password and that person got fired or left and moved on and nobody knows the password. So now they've got a second one. Like how much does that screw up your optimization or anything that goes in with that. It's not great. I'll tell you where it gets, I'll give you like the extreme example. Okay. So let's say that you are going to open a new restaurant, even if you're a, you know, a chain and you buy a building, right? And before you had that building, that building was another business, whether it was a, a pizza shop or a chiropractor, it doesn't matter. It was a business. It had an address, a name, a phone number. It probably had a Yelp page, a Facebook page, a Foursquare page. It had all these pages. It had a footprint. Okay. Right. When you then go and open up that business, like, and you go register a Yelp page or a Google page or whatever, 
you're actually creating a second page for the same address. And that causes confusion to that publisher. And it's called uh, a duplicate. So that that's like, that's the super far end of it, but it happens to literally every business. And what's worse is if the business that you're replacing is the same kind of business, it was a pizza shop. You're putting in a Chinese restaurant, like, man, you are really going to mess up your search. So you, so you can suppress that duplicate. So, and, and I mean, is that, is that something that you guys do? Is it something that we can do on our own? I mean, how does that, how do you fix that? Now, I mean, the funny part is nobody knew that until right now. <laughs> so it's like, what do, what do we do? Unlocking the secrets of the universe online with <laughs> Chef Brian Duffy. Um, you have to have software. You, there's there's no other way to do it. Wow. All right. So that's all the technical shit. Now let's get, <laughs> let's get down to, let's get down to some of this other stuff. Um, I, I'm going to finish off with where you are right now at the end, but so what brought, what, where did you get to a point that you were like, fuck it. I want to do French fries. Um, <laughs> uh, how do I answer that question? So I love French fries. That's an easy part of it. Um, I used to write one of the world's top three hamburger blogs. And for reasons I don't want to get into, I couldn't write it anymore. And I couldn't share pictures of hamburgers on my social media anymore. And I was like, well, what else am I really passionate about uh, food wise? I was like, wow, French fries. And at the time, French fries were like really misrepresented on Instagram. Like there just wasn't French fry accounts. So I started one and it blew up. Like I, if you go look now, I think I have 117,000 followers, but I mean, French fries are awesome. It's like the most universal like side item there is, you know, more than a salad, you know, more than, you know, breadsticks. I mean, it, French fries are like on every plate in every dish in every country. So where is, so what, okay. So what is the greatest fry? The, the basic of a fry? What's the, what are, what are your, what are the characteristics that you're looking for in a perfect fry? So I actually, earlier this year, a national French fry day categorized all the types of known French fries on my blog. Uh, if you want to go, if somebody really wants to get in depth, it's burgerconquest.com. There, I believe that there are 21 types of fries. Okay. Um, now, if you're asking me what makes it perfect, I, uh, there's something I call the triumvirate of awesome potato. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and that is, this is, you can't go wrong with curly fries, waffle fries, or tater tots. And th- that is like the penultimate of, of where French fries can go. So why not like a straight hand cut French fry? It's just, it's not that I don't like them. I just like, Hey, do you want a, you know, do you want a standard cut or a tater tot? Well, of course I want a tater tot, right. you know, like, or like, like here's a bowl of dipping sauce of cheese, right? Right. Do I want a standard fire or a waffle? Well, I want a waffle because that means more cheese is getting in my oh, mouth. Cheese is on there, yeah. That's so <laughs> funny, dude. And I do. I'm I'm a huge tater tot guy. Actually, I, I it's so funny. I was watching your post that you did a couple of weeks ago because every Monday you do a marketing post. Yes, marketing which is the Monday. walk in the park. Yes. Okay. So and you posted one and you were like more or less, and I'll just say it straightforward. And I curse just so you know you can as well if you choose. You're well, like who listen- the fuck. I listened what? to your episode with Chef Plum. I know you curse. <laughs> oh my God. Plum's awesome. Have you ever met him? I've, I had him on my old podcast. I love Plum. Dude, he's such a good guy, man. <laughs> yeah. We have so much fun together. He got me at, I was on his show at the Mohegan Sun Casino for, for food and wine last year or two years ago. And it was like the end of the day. I had traveled. I'd already been playing blackjack. Like I'm, I was gambling. I was drinking. And I got like the last eight minutes of his show. 
And I was like, dude, this is just not enough time. He's a great guy. Yep. We have a lot of fun together. So, um, but anyway, so like you posted something, you're like, who the fuck are you to tag a food blogger or something to that effect without communicating with them first? And you made, you made a valid, valid point in that. And I kind of, I haven't tagged you in anything. (laughs) Because I've been afraid to. I'm like, I don't want him getting mad at me. You know? So I was like, I'm not fucking tagging this guy in nothing. But, uh, I may send it to you in a private message so you know that it's out there. But you you like some of my stuff. It's kind of fun. Well, I mean, well, here, so first of all, here's your public permission to tag me in anything you want. Awesome. Perfect. I will. But yeah. I, I also want to talk about the burger thing and what your what your rules are for that. But go ahead. So so why is it so wrong for people to do that? So here's another subject that I like to talk about is influencer marketing. And I've done, I clearly have some level of influence, but I also do a ton of research on it and I'm, I'm a student of it and I teach a class on it. So like, I'm really passionate about that subject. But one thing that I think that restaurants in particular get wrong is they'll put a picture on their Instagram feed of whatever food it is they're trying to promote. And then they'll tag a bunch of food influencers without having established a relationship, without having ever sent them a message to say hello, without ever saying, hey, I appreciate what you do, or worse, inviting them in to the restaurant. And I think that's disrespectful. It's like, oh, I'm good enough that you can ask me to like your post. And I'm good enough that you can ask me to comment and pay attention to you, but I'm not good enough for you to just say hello, or I respect you. And you would never do that in a regular conversation. So I don't understand what gives somebody the feeling that that's how they can operate on Instagram. And it, re- it really, like it really boils me because it is just a terrible way to interact with somebody who you're hoping is going to help your business is you have started off on the very wrong foot. Right. Right. I remember when I first opened up my place in Philly and I, I didn't want to do, you know, we were going to have a huge grandiose, like, like opening party and we were doing a big VIP night, but I don't invite food bloggers or, or food writers or any of that stuff in for, for a couple of weeks. You know, I, I, I just, it's just not the way that I do business. I really want to make sure that the kitchen is up to par, that they're doing what they have to do. And, uh, we had a blogger out of New Jersey who I, I won't get, I won't, I don't, I don't, I don't shame people unless I let them know ahead of time that I'm going to. <laughs> Except for last week, we had a long discussion about the Buffalo Bill player who quit in the middle, who retired in the middle of the game. <laughs> that infuriated me. Well, that's public. So that's different. yeah, that was full public. So, but, but so what happened was I, I had, you know, I was doing this huge VIP party. We invited the mayor and we had a lot of really cool people coming in, but I had zero food bloggers. And so this food blogger basically sent a letter to the franchisee or not the franchisee, the licensee, the person who owned the licensor, the person who who owned the beer that we had named the restaurant after and said, you know, we need to have a discussion. You guys are this, this, and this. And they did not invite any of us in. What a rookie thing to do. How disrespectful, like full blown lit us up because of the fact that we did not invite them in more or less for their free meal is what it kind of came down to. And and it, it was CC'd through my, our publicist at the same time. And it accidentally got forwarded to me. And I full blown called the woman and lit her up. 
and said, you will never be invited to any restaurant that I ever come to. Do not ever write anything about me. I mean, it was such an entitlement that this person had felt and was so pissed off that she wasn't invited to that opening night that it, it kind of pissed. It, I mean, it full blown pissed me off. And so when, when you had talked about that in your, in your walk, it made me rethink a lot of the shit that I've been doing with my clients. And I had a conversation with a lot of them, like go out right now and send a message to every, every person that you've been tagging and just say, Hey, how are you? I want to thank you for this. I want to thank you for that because it made, you made a lot of sense with that. That was very impactful to me. I don't know why. Awesome. But it was something that I literally stopped because the next day I was like, hey, I'm making fucking burgers. Let's tag <laughs> Rev. And then I was like, fuck, no, I'm not. I don't want him mad at me. <laughs> no, well, I mean, with the guy. I don't want him mad at me. <laughs> right. Well, but, the, but we have a relationship, so it's fine. Right. But that's the whole point is like, you can't just like if you just want uh, an influencer to do something for you. And we'll go back to the other side of this minute. Then just reach out and say, here's a hundred bucks. Repost my shit. Right. right. But I mean, I also like. I don't talk a whole lot about how influencers should operate um, because I feel like the, the wheat will cut itself from the chaff, much like your situation on its own. Uh, but I talk a lot about how restaurants should operate because I, there is a, there's not a lot of people informing them what they should do. And if you're just an entitled influencer or whatever, you're not going to make it anyway. And it doesn't really matter. So it's uh, it, it, I mean, what are your thoughts in regards to the respected food writers that we have going around the country at this point and a blogger who's got a million followers. I, I mean, I think it's all the same. <clears throat> yeah. It's all the, I mean, you know, if you're, if you're, if Pete Wells writes about your restaurant in the New York times, you're going to get a rush of, of people coming in. Right. But getting Pete Wells to pay attention to your restaurant is, you know, like catching lightning. Right. But it's, you know, there's, there's, there's 250, 300, you know, food bloggers and Instagrammers in New York city, like capturing 10 of them to write about you and drive some awareness around your new item next week is heck of a lot easier to do. So to me, it's just about like, what are you trying to accomplish? Who are you trying to reach? You know? And, and I don't look at any of these, any one writer or any one person's opinion as being like the end of the story, right? These things have to keep happening, has to be part of your campaign. It has to be, you know, what you're thinking about as a marketing or a business owner over time. What are we doing now? What's next? How can we get reach more people? So to me, a, a food blogger is just as important as, you know, uh, Rachel Ray. Well, a couple of years ago. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I Actually, I watched her show the other day. She did a nice little, I guess the big Italian festival happened in New York this week. San Gennaro. Yes. Yeah. And she did it. It was, a, she had a great segment. I don't know if it was Thursday morning or Friday morning, Thursday morning. She had a great segment, brought in a couple different Italian chefs. A guy was making cannolis. Somebody else is making meatballs. It was really a good thing. And, uh, I, I'm not a massive fan of Rachel's. I mean, look, she does her thing and it's awesome. It's not the type of food that I do or the, or the TV that I do. Um, I, I met her at the burger festival a couple of years ago at food and wine. That was awesome. Super cool. You know, she threw me some plugs and I was pretty happy, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. She's a good chick. I think, I think all of these people are important, right? It's about which ones Absolutely. are accessible, which ones are accessible to you. So yeah. some of them are just far, far, far from being accessible, my friend. 
It's, it's a true. different world. I've had a, I've had a, a tough time getting some awesome chefs that I'm actually friends with on due to publicists and managers and agents. And, you know, everybody wants a lead in of questions and they want to know what I'm going to ask. And, you know, I have no idea what the fuck I'm going to ask you until we get on the phone <laughs> because I'm interested. I mean, that's what it is. It's really an inquisitive question. Now you were a little bit different because we talked, I knew kind of what you did and I really wanted to get your information out to other people, but it, you know, when I try to talk to some of the other guys, they're like, okay, we want a list of 20 questions. I'm like, okay, the first question is who are you? <laughs> you know, like, let's start with the basics and get people involved in that. So, <clears throat> so what is your kind of, what is your, what is your criteria for posting the stuff that you do? Cause you post a shit ton of, of quality, quality stuff. Thank I mean, you. is it, all what you're eating? Is it stuff that is that you're finding? Is it things that people are sending to you? Where are you getting your content from? So if it's on my Rev CNCO account, my named account, I've eaten probably, I'd say 90, 90 to 95% of that. I ate and took the photo of almost all of it. It's almost all original. The other accounts are all repost accounts. So like I'm curating the best of the best on French fries and with Burgerati and Steak Club. So, and, and what is, I mean, now you had said something to me that you won't post a burger unless you've eaten it. Uh, yeah, is that right? uh, I would say that just about almost any food. Like I said, not 95% of my account is, is food I've eaten. Okay. And so what is, uh, we're going to dig into burgers right now because we had a great conversation about burger and sandwich. We did. So what is, what is, what is the, because, and here's when I, I'm going to ask the question first, but then I want to say something. What is the perfect burger to you. And the, the reason why I asked that is because we went to a zips, but you've also had the greatest burgers in New York city. So what I, is the perfect burger for you? That is a great question. I love that. So many people just go, what's your favorite burger? And I'm like, I don't have a thing. You don't like food like I do and have a favorite. Like it's just like, <laughs> I have a favorite in this town or a favorite of that style or a favorite that I wanted yesterday. But uh, like what, what appeals to me from style? So I, my perfect burger is kind of a mix of two things. I love the classic American roadside burger. You know, like a very California style, like herb burgers type of thing. You know, the burgers that built this nation. And I also really happen to love an Oklahoma City fried onion burger. So for me, it's sort of like two thin patties, uh, grilled and fried onions, uh, American cheese, and either a white squishy or a potato roll. That's sort of the perfect, perfect right. burger. That's what I'm craving more often than not. Hmm. I love, uh, I love those damn Hawaiian rolls, man. <laughs> I love a Hawaiian roll, that sweetness that's in there. And then you put something on there that's got like a good spice to it and a good salt crust on the outside of a burger or something. Oh. I'm going to suck it down so fast. Oh, well, we didn't get into quality of meat. But yes, I would eat that. <laughs> <laughs> so go ahead. So let's talk meat then. I mean, what is your... Your because so everybody knows that the second that one of the, the other accounts that's out there is the Burgerati, yes, which is 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 kind of I mean you've made it exclusive. Uh, yeah, so I won't repost another person's hamburger unless they are a known food persona. So it could be a chef, it could be a restaurateur, it could be a food blogger, um, and they have had a burger with me. So I'll only okay. follow, follow those people. Like you, you technically are part of the Burgerati because we had burgers together. So, right. so, so is Ford, um, you know, everybody that was on that trip, yeah. but, <laughs> um, 
So that that's I will only post from that because again, it's the Society of Elite Hamburger Eaters. Okay. All right. So let's talk meat. Um, fresh, never frozen. Uh, fresh all the time. Um, if you're asking me my favorite blend, I'm probably I, I can eat a pure Chuck burger every time. I would not say no to a you know a Chuck brisket or a Chuck flank or a Chuck flap or whatever you want. Uh, but I'm happy with a 75 25. I is I think the perfect uh, you know fat to lean ratio. Um, and I don't you know I think the idea of a grass finished burger is just stupid, and I don't understand anybody that lobbies for it or wants to eat it. Why? Several reasons. A, it does not taste as good. And if you're eating a hamburger, you are not eating it for healthy reasons. You are eating it because it tastes good. So that's right. That's paramount. Number one. Number two, anybody that wants to argue that it's better for the environment is a jerk and a moron. Uh, You would have to eat pounds and pounds and pounds of beef every day for every meal to feel the difference between grass and grain finished burgers. It is almost negligible on the amount of beef that a, a normal person, not a you or me, <laughs> a, a normal person would eat. So like, there's no, there's literally almost no difference for a human. Um, and then as it, as it relates to the environment, a grass finished cow takes longer to mature. So it requires more resources. It takes more food, you know, more air, more water, more land, more time and produces more methane. So it's actually worse for the environment in terms of the impact it has on the planet. So I can't think of a reason to eat a grass finished burger from a textbook argument. Okay. And how about a flavor argument? Well, I mean, it's, I, listen, if you want to eat gamey food, you might as well eat venison because it's <laughs> <Yeah>. awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Now let me ask you this, Rev. How the fuck do you know so much about beef? <laughs> uh, I mean, I happen to be very passionate about the subject, that's for sure. <laughs> um, but for three years, I worked for a ground beef manufacturer that made like really sort of high-end products. And as you could probably tell, I don't do anything lightly. Um, and I kind of like when I get into something, like I go the full Monty. Um, and just to sort of give some some social proof to that, in 2016, I was named Certified Angus Beef Marketer of the Year. And and the funny thing about that is I didn't know that was an award till I won it. So right, right. <laughs> nice. Now now I mean you are you will chase a burger though. Oh, I, I have a burger bucket list for sure. So where, I mean, like, and that's one of the funny things because I'm a total adventurer. Like I'm the guy I'm an explorer. When I go out, I want to go, I want to find the hole in the wall bar. I want to find the little shithole with 47 hipsters standing out front, smoking cigarettes, cloves, you know, and, and the tattoo shop next to it and the late night burger spot next to the pho restaurant that's open until 4am. Like those are the places that I want to go. And when we were in Washington, it was, it was kind of funny because it was a great group of people, but you were the one who was like, I'm going to get a fucking burger. If anybody wants you, you guys can join. <laughs> like it's, it's just that simple. That's what we're going to do. And if anybody wants to come with me, then that's the plan. <laughs> and, and that's how I am. I'm like, okay, well, there's a great restaurant here and this is what we're going to do. And if anybody wants to go, I'd love for you to join me. If you guys want to go to McDonald's, enjoy, but I'm going six miles down the road to the other place. Yeah. I mean, that's how we ended up at Zips. <laughs> and that's exactly. And they thought we were a riot. Cause first off you bought, what did you get? You got six burgers. Yeah. <laughs> and six burgers of a bucket, not an order, like a <laughs> literal bucket. bucket of tater tots with, right. um, cheese sauce and chili. And then they had this sandwich called the beast. And I can't recall everything that was on it on the top of my, my head, but it was essentially like a long roll, not a long a, white squishy roll. 
Yeah, I've never seen anything like it. It was it, it was like two the size of two hamburger rolls, but done as a rectangle. And it had two burger patties. It had ham, cheese, bacon, lettuce, tomato, mustard. It had, it had everything. It was crazy. It was a good, and they were, I mean, they weren't bad burgers. No, they were great. They were, you know, but they were, they were great. I mean, it's funny because I think that, that so many people that go out, like, I, I mean, I stop at places like this all the time. I, I will literally land in a city and I will get into my hotel and I will put four pillows underneath of my chest. I will lay my laptop in front of me <laughs> as I lay across the bed and I will just start Googling. <laughs> I will just start looking and I have created, like I have a map of New Orleans of how to go from Uber spot to, you know, from, from literally from <laughs> restaurant to restaurant, to go from beignet, to go to etouffee, to go to, you know, to go and sit down and have crawfish to across the board. <clears throat> and a lot of people don't, don't get that. And they'll say, well, you know, you went to zips, like why the fuck are you going to a fast food place? Because it's the expectation. You have yeah. to match the expectation with what you're going to get. And you even said it. That night, you were like, it exceeded my expectation. It did. I mean, and they've been around. I can't don't remember top of my head, but they've been around for decades. Like, how can it be totally terrible if it's been if it's a family owned and operated local business that's been around for decades? It can't be that bad. Exactly. So, and they and it's not like they have one location. No, they have like forty or something like that. Yeah, they're all over out there. It's pretty wild. You guys know my love. You know my love of travel and experience and everything else. And uh, there was a crazy period of time there where I would go into all these cities that I went to and I'd eat, I'd drink, I'd go out with friends, but I really wouldn't experience a tremendous amount. Over the last couple of months, I've had the great opportunity to check out this grand, this grand, yeah, I'll call it grand. I'm going to call it grand all day long. This amazing new app, it's called Vivid Seats. Okay. So one of the cool things about it is, is with Vivid Seats, you guys can watch your favorite teams and artists perform in person, no matter what city you're going into. All right. With the podcast code of influence, listeners right now can receive 10% off your first purchase with Vivid Seats. All right. Vivid Seats is an online ticket marketplace that's dedicated to providing live entertainment and experiences that are going to last a lifetime. All right. It's pretty awesome to be able to do. You go on, you put your city in and it tells you what events are up there. You can choose your seat. You can choose the date, the time, all the good stuff to see what's going on for you. And to make things even better right now, if you guys go, you can go right in there. Vivid Seats is giving listeners an exclusive promo code for new customers. Receive 10% off your first purchase with Vivid Seats to save a whole bunch of money. Go to the App Store. Go to Google Play. Download the Vivid Seats app. Use the promo code INFLUENCE for 10% off. Every single purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. From biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater and more, Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app, enter the promo code INFLUENCE for 10% off, and do me a favor, get out there and make some memories. What was your role in Burger Week? I am the founder of New York Burger Week. How does that, how do you become the founder of such a massive... (laughs) events um well you know it's sort of one of those like pole position type ideas i had this really crazy idea for doing seven days of hamburger events in new york city um because i love like what hamburgers mean to new york and and what you know new york has meant to the history of the hamburger and i was like how come nobody is like elevating this concept that new york and burgers is like a marriage like it's important and i was like i'm just gonna go do it and i put up a blog and contact a bunch of restaurants and just put it together and just claimed it and nobody else was doing it. So it was, <laughs> it was mine. <laughs> so, so why don't do So let's talk about this. What is the history of the hamburger? 
Well, there's lots of people that are going to argue that, but there's only two, there's only two truths. There's the pre America truth and the post America truth. Okay. So the pre America truth, and I was actually on, uh, on the cooking channel for this one. So the, what they believe is the original Genesis of the hamburger dates back to the Mongols. Uh, and as the Mongols were taking over Asia, right. The, the, you know, they were bloodthirsty. And so they were riding horses all day, you know, attacking, attacking, take over, take over, take over. And they didn't want to stop doing that to move, right? So what they would do is they would take pieces of meat and put them under their saddle. So when they're riding on the horse all day, basically it would mince the meat, right? And it would almost get it a little warmer and they could just reach under their saddle and eat it. And that's sort of the beginning. That was like the first ground beef. Um, right. The genesis <clears throat> from there is they took over the Tartans, right? It was part of Russia. Okay. And that dish became part of their society. It wasn't more about the Mongols. It was actually something you ate at, at, at dinner. And what did that become? Tartar. Oh, okay. All right. There you go. So that, that is sort of where the ground beef thing came from, from Mongolia uh, to the Tartans. And the Tartans actually took it and made it a table dish. Huh. It wasn't until um, later in the 1900, I'd say the 1800s in Hamburg or Hamburg, I guess if you want to pronounce it correctly, Hamburg, Germany, uh, they were making something called the Hamburg steak. And it was essentially like a ground beef patty, but served with like gravy and onions, almost like a Salisbury steak type of thing. That came over to America in like the 1850s. Um, and I think Delmonico's restaurant in New York City has the oldest, uh, oldest usage of it on a menu. Then in the, this is now, this is where the second piece comes in. In the 1890s, I think it was 1896, uh, Louis Lassen had a restaurant in uh, Connecticut called Louis Lunch that's still there. You can still go yeah, to Yeah, I've been there. It's awesome, right? Yeah. So he used to serve these Hamburg steaks. And one day somebody came in and was like, I'm going to hurry. Give me one quickly. And Louis was like, uh, slapped it between two pieces of bread with some cheese spread and a slice of tomato and was like, here you go. Here's your Hamburg steak on the go. And that is the birth of the hamburger. Like that is the moment where it went from Hamburg steak to hamburger. And, and if I'm not mistaken, they still have the same grill toaster that they always have. Yeah. So for those that haven't seen it, it's basically an upright grill and it looks, it does, it looks like the, the filaments of your toaster. It's a lot hotter, uh, yeah. but they, they basically take these, these ground beef patties and they put them uh, in these wire meshes, almost like if you've ever sort of cooked over a fire or, or your, or your, you know, uh, in your You're fireplace. Vegetarian. Yeah. And you yeah. stick it in lengthwise and the, the runoff sort of just runs down into the pole. Uh, but the flames are on the side and it flame broils and they pull it out and slap it on bread. But yeah, it's the, they haven't changed them. I mean, they've cleaned them and upgraded them, but it's the exact same ones that Louis opened with in the 1800s. That's awesome, dude. That's awesome. I, uh, so, so are you a white castle guy? I do love the castle. Fuck. So good. (laughs) So, and they're just little, you can be really shit faced and have a six pack or 12 pack. You can just be on a light and go maybe with three. Not that I've ever only had three. Uh, I want to change the subject slightly. Go ahead. What is in your Thanksgiving stuffing recipe? Oh God. I mean, mine, mine is still my mother's. It's day old bread that she leaves out from the night before she lays it out the night before and gets it stale. Um, it is a combination of chicken stock with sage and garlic and, and basil and stuff like that. And then it's straightforward mirepoix of carrots, onions, and celery. Okay. So my, mine is sage, uh, rosemary, butter, Bourbon and White Castle sliders. Oh shit! You told me that, dude. Didn't you? All, <laughs> wait, what? Didn't you also stuff? Uh, you stuffed a turkey with burgers. 
Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what I do for Thanksgiving. That's, that's fucking brilliant, dude. That's <laughs> so funny. So far, look, there's so much, I mean, there's, it's all, it's all the goodness. I mean, and, and the, and the fact that I love the minced onion, Yep. I think the way that the, 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 that an onion liquefies on top of a burger that way is just brilliant. And I have a burger that I call, it's called, it's a white trash burger that I just call it. I use yellow American cheese. Um, I do my, my, uh, I do my, uh, my onion super fine, like, like five, six, seven passes with a big fat, thick, heavy French knife over the top of it to the point that they're slightly opaque. They're tiny enough that they're going to melt on top of the burger that way. But then the key for me is I do all my stuff on the bottom, lettuce, tomato. And I don't know, we'll talk about that, what your feelings are about lettuce top, top or bottom. I like mine on the bottom. I do my lettuce, my tomato, super thin sliced tomato, unless I'm um, specifically doing a burger that involves tomato. Like I do a Jersey man burger that is like a half inch thick slice of Jersey tomato with wow. roll and all that stuff on it because that's a major component to it. But in this, this is an accoutrement. It's just, it's the shredded lettuce. It is the, which, which people piss me the fuck off when they put green leaf or red leaf lettuce on a burger, like get a set of balls. Sorry, you're the master. I got that, but I know what I like. Very thin tomatoes with a little bit of salt and pepper on them. Red onions, thinly sliced, eighth of an inch, super thin, shingled around the top. And then I do my ketchup, mustard, and mayo on there unless I'm doing a burger sauce or something. And then my burger goes on top of that. Okay. So what are you, what is your, your, your world in the burger schematic? Um, so I believe that lettuce and tomato should be either on your plate or the cow's plate because that's not food. That's what food eats. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need, I don't need no silly vegetables on my, okay. on my burger. <laughs> so you don't want any of that. You don't, you don't feel that that enhances. You don't feel that it, it is a good accompaniment to it. You like the beef, the cheese and the bun. Onions and onions. Okay. So red, white, caramelized, grilled, fried, doesn't matter. Uh, I mean, I have, if you're, if I, again, if I'm picking, 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 I would go with um, Spanish onions grilled in butter, grilled in butter. And, and you didn't, isn't that what you did? It's exactly what I did with the waffle fry burger. It's yeah. won the fucking Mr. Potato <laughs> head and Mrs. Potato <laughs> head at the same goddamn time. Dude, it was brilliant. It was, it, that was a great, that was a great time in there. That was a lot of fun hanging out in there with those guys. Totally. Yeah. That was a good, that was a good event. I mean, I do a lot of those things, but I don't come out of it. I'll be honest. Like I Ford was on last week. Oh, and awesome. Ford's a great conversation, man to, to, uh, he is, if he's not yet, he needs to be a very good source for the industry and the way that employees are treated. Oh yeah. He's, totally. he's a very intelligent man and he, he really has found a wonderful niche for himself. And, you know, and I took you guys out of this. I mean, I took you guys, not only the knowledge of potato and what we did with that, but I took a lot from that, that, that was you guys. I mean, like I said, you fucking were walking through the park. Don't tag influencers. And I'm like, fuck no more. <laughs> um, but, uh, all right. So, so now the steak thing. So what is that? You guys go out once a month. Hold on. I want to go. I want to say one last thing about burger build. Oh, go, go please. Cause this is incredibly important to me. I don't pre I don't preach too many things about food, but this was, this is like my number one or two. 
Okay. Cheese belongs on bottom. Really? Like underneath of the burger? Absolutely. Why? Absolutely. There's two, but why? there's two reasons. A, for taste. Nobody puts cheese on a burger because they don't want it. Like who orders a burger without cheese? That's stupid. You put the cheese close to your tongue so you can taste it. That's number one. Okay. Number two, putting cheese underneath the patty helps to build bun integrity. And so as all... All those juices are coming out of the burger. They're going to like ruin your bread and they're going to ruin your your dining experience. And they're going to put it all over your shirt and you're going to make a mess. And I don't mind making a mess, but I still think I would rather have my bun presented the way it was intended. And so I believe the cheese creates a shield for the grease. Okay. I like that. Have you ever, have you ever been, have you ever had a Hodad's out of San Diego? Oh, I love Hodad's, the pastrami burger. Okay. The Guido. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Hodad Mike is that is was was a very was a good friend of mine. Um, he passed away two years ago, two and a half years ago, um, and his son has actually taken it over. And I don't know if you know the history of Hodad's, but his like his father gave him a bunch of shit for the way that he was doing stuff, and he's like, Dad, let me just try it. You know, like, and, and Mike had a tough life. He had a real tough life. Um, he had a, he had a pacemaker put in at the age of 25 Oh boy! Um, and Mike passed away when he was 47. Um, so it had a real tough life, but, but, but really, if you ever get a chance, just Google Mike Harden or boss man and listen to him talk about how he puts his burgers together. <laughs> it is it, his passion for that piece of what he does is so inspiring that it's similar to listening to you talk about what your love of what you do is. <laughs> There's a great passion behind it. And I don't, and, and it's one of the reasons, the multiple reasons that I wanted to talk to you because I don't feel like there's enough people out there that are passionate enough to stand behind what they do. And I'll be honest with you in the last couple of years, you and Hodad are two of the people that I found that are truly passionate and believe in what they believe in, in that, to that level. I keep, I keep pictures of Hodad burgers on my phone. (laughs) No, dude, he was, he was an amazing dude. I mean, really loved what he did and uh, his staff. And and, I mean, I'll give you a little bit of an info of information about him. You know, he treated, he wanted the derelicts. He wanted the drug addicts. He wanted the recovering. He wanted the homeless. Um, He used to give away burgers every single day at one of his locations to the first like hundred people. That's awesome. That's awesome. I love that place that would come in. And I mean, he, a woman that used to come into his place all the time. She had cancer. He kind of had a, found a place in her, in his heart for her and like took care of her bills. Like Hodad was a true giver and just a wonderful, wonderful guy. And I don't know what it was about his passing that hit me, but it fucking like a ton of bricks, dude. It killed me. I was just crazy. And the last time I saw him was, was sitting on a couch and we were in Cuba. Oh, wow. So, yeah, he had he had uh, he had an edible and some uh, and took an ambient <laughs> the night before. And he, I walked in the house at about five a.m. and uh, and he was uh, he was. I walked upstairs to my room and I walked past the laundry room because we were staying on a base. We we're on Guantanamo Bay, and I looked into the laundry room and all of my clothes were folded like 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 the trainer at the Gap. What? Like it was he he had done my laundry for me. And I went into my bedroom and he like made my bed. That's amazing. And the house was all completely cleaned and ready to go. And, and, and I walked downstairs an hour later 
to go outside and I walk outside and Reveille is being played at the moment that I walk outside. But I look over on the couch and there's Hodad sitting on the couch. And he's like, that was a hell of an edible, dude. <laughs> that was one hell of an edible. And, he, and I was like, you fucking folded my laundry. You screwed, like the house was immaculate. He cleaned the whole, it was, it was crazy. It was the wildest. It was just a riot. And then about four o'clock in the afternoon, so 16 hours or 12 hours, whatever, later, he walks up to me and he's like, I still feel that goddamn edible dude. Like he just loved an edible. He was, uh, he, he was, a, he was a good dude. So I'm glad, I'm glad that, that Hodad's made its way into the, into the world of that. So, um, all right. So let's talk about steak. What is, what is, where did, what is this? What did that come from? Uh, steak club seven started. That was actually one of my very first food blogs that started, I think in 2005 or 2006. So it was me and six other music industry executives. I used to be in the music business and, uh, it was at a time in the music business where people still had expense accounts. And so we would, <laughs> we would go once a month to eat steak to like, you know, talk about industry insights, <laughs> which right. really just us using expense accounts. Um, and I jokingly was like, Oh, let's start a blog. And like, we'll be the world's number one steak club. And back in like 2005, 2006, like nobody was really, there were so few food blogs. Instagram didn't even exist. Um, and I started this steak club seven blog and within like, I don't know, three or four blog posts, we were getting phone calls from Wolfgangs and from Lugers and like, wow. you know, like literally the top steakhouses in New York city, arguably top steakhouses in the world, like wanting us to come in. And, and it was like the first time that I was like, Oh wow, we can have influence. This is pretty cool. Um, well, very long story short, that group, of, that group changed uh, members a few times. And then we sort of all grew apart and, you know, a couple of people left the music business and it went dormant for a while. And then about two years ago, me and my buddy, Matt Bruck, um, who owns a couple of restaurants with uh, Chef Timey Hong in New York City, he were, we were talking one night and he's like, dude, I'm sick of getting invited for free burgers. I was like, I'm not. And he's like, well, no, but like I can, afford, <laughs> I, I can afford a free burger. I was like, good point. He's like, but you know, I can't necessarily afford to go eat like a 13 course steak dinner. He's like, let's, how do we get more invites to you know, high, high end fine dining restaurants. Cause we all post that food anyway, but like, how do we up it? Right. And I was like, Oh, I can bring steak club seven back. And he's like, what's that? And we grabbed him, uh, Gennaro Pecchia. I don't know if you know Gennaro. He's on uh, Roland's food court. Uh, he's on, he also, he's one of the originals of Gat writers. And I grabbed a couple of my buddies, George Motes and said, dude, let's do the steak thing. And it took one post, one post on Instagram and it was flooded. Charlie Palmer's Del Frisco's like all of them, like Mark Joseph, when can we get you in here? Um, and, and, you know, I'm not saying that like, Oh, we're so big and we're so cool. We actually have real influence. If we post, Hey, you need to go to Greenwich steakhouse. It's amazing. People will go there um, because we have really curated the ability to speak to people who like that type of food. And we right. treat that ability with respect. And so we don't ever post steak that was bad. We don't ever talk about an experience we didn't like. We only share, hey, this is exactly what you're going to get when you go there. This is who you should ask for. This is what you should order. We like this. We didn't like this. Here's how to order it. And so people sort of follow that as a guide when they're going to go spend money on a big meal. They're like, well, where's Steak Club 7? Eat. Let's go there. Right. Dude, that's awesome. That's cool. <clears throat> I'm still starting. To, I'm, the best steak I've had. Where's the best? Okay. So what's the best steak you've ever had and where? God, that is a tough one, man. I've had some amazing, amazing steak. I mean, like amazing. Um, uh, it would eat. Uh, I have two stories. 
So we did, do you know who Debraga Meats is? They're like New York's butcher. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we did a day where certified Angus beef came out from Ohio to New York city and me and a bunch of influencers went to Debraga for the day. And we hung out with, with Mark who owns the company and his kids and chef Lydia. And they walked us through everything. And then she just made a bunch of amazing dry edge steaks that were just mind blowing. But then that night we went to Blackburn in New York city, chef Doherty's place. And uh, he came out with, I'd never seen anything like it. He basically had an entire strip, not a steak, like the whole cut. And he, and he, they carved it almost like it was a loaf, <laughs> like it was rectangular. And I don't know how they cooked it, um, but it had like this nice sear on the outside. And then he sliced it like it was cheese, like just these thinly slices, almost like, um, like it was roast beef. Mm. Uh, and I'd never had, and it was dry aged. It was CAB dry aged basically the entire loin. I'd never seen that cut. I'd never tasted anything like it. it. I've never had anything like it since it was mind boggling. And the photos of it just didn't look that great. <laughs> oh, really? But it was fun. like, I can't stop thinking about how good that was. Okay. Best steak number two. Now this isn't steak, but it's close. So I can't reveal the full story here, but basically I went somewhere and they took an entire, uh, uh, a half a, a half a, a cow and they put it on a spit and they rotated it over coals and embers for like eight hours and they left all the fat on it so as it's spinning all night long on this rotisserie the wait fat wait just, rev we lost hold on hold on hold on hold on we you just you we lost you after they put it on the spit and the hot coals go okay you got me yeah <laughs> So they take this half a steer and they put it on a spit and they're basically spinning it rotisserie eight hours overnight over embers and they didn't trim the fat. So as it's just spinning slowly all night long, the fat is just cooking into the entire animal rolling around it. Love it. And so when it, when it was finally done cooking, they pulled it off and then they pulled it head to toe. I mean, this is typically how you would cook like a pig, right? Or maybe a, a lamb and you would pull the whole pork, you know, the whole pig, but they pulled the entire cow and then they served it as tacos so you had every every bite had everything from you know chuck to strip to spinels to you know hanger to i've never had anything like it it was mind-boggling how good it was it's awesome dude i had a 45 day dry aged ribeye at michael jordan steakhouse in uncasville connecticut ah that place is great That I almost fell off my fucking chair, dude. <laughs> it was, and the worst, like I was sitting at the bar, so everything was great. I had the big, just like I was at the corner of the bar. I got to see everybody that was around me. Every part of it was the perfect scenario. Like I had a big fat glass of cab right in front of me. And I just, the first cut of this steak, when I just pulled off right off that bone, and I just cut it. And as soon as I cut it, I can smell that funkiness, oh, that so dry good. aged mold and, and earthy texture. And then I just cut it, had the perfect little bit of fat, perfect little bit of the cap right there. And it just fucking fell apart in my mouth, man. That's an amazing. And I sat back and I just like, and the, and the bartender had actually come over and he's like, dude, is everything okay? And I was like, just shut up for five seconds. <laughs> <laughs> like every single part of it, you know, I mean, you know, that, that moment where you're like, just stop what you're saying. Let me just continue to savor this and just enjoy it. <laughs> Please don't pull me back to earth yet. <laughs> oh my God. I had funny. I was in, I was at Italy in Chicago 
And I went in and had the cacio pepe and I got one of the pies that they had. And after every bite that I took of the cacio pepe, I, I kept pushing it away from me. And finally, the chef who was there was actually the chef who was getting, who was training to open up San Paulo or San Paulo in Brazil. He was getting ready to open that Italy. Wow. And he walked over and he, and he, he knew that I was a chef. And he's like, chef, is everything okay? And I'm like, yeah, why? And he's like, because you keep pushing it away from you. <laughs> I'm like, because if I don't, then I'm going to suck the entire thing down in a matter of seconds. And I still have a pizza to eat. <laughs> like there's just that moment of just that, that pure joy of everything happening at the exact same time. And I'm a, what are your, what are your sides for a steak? Like what, what is your side? Um, so I actually, it, I kind of eat differently every time I go to a place. I'm not like a standard orderer. Okay. I, with the exception of a steak dinner, I want the same thing every time, everywhere I go for steak. Okay. So m- my order is this. I have a glass of scotch. Then I place my order. Then I order another glass of scotch. Then I want a uh, thick cut bacon. I want a wedge or Caesar salad. Fucking right? love a wedge. A good wedge. Thick wedge. Ah, oh, cold. Plate needs to be ice cold, freezing in your hand. Yeah, but you want it crunchy, right? Then I want my mains. And I usually get, you know, I, if, if possible, I'll do two different cuts at the same time. And then almost all my sides, all my favorite sides are potatoes. So like, you know, German style potatoes, Leonese, Leonese potatoes, right. um, sometime mash, definitely frites. Um, and then more often than not, I want um, sauteed broccoli and or sauteed carrots. Hmm. I love a carrot. Yep. It's not out there enough. And the cool part is with a lot of the farm to table, blah, 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 everything else that's happening is we're seeing a lot of really fucking awesome carrot appetizers. Just a roasted carrot, goat cheese, something simple. I'm seeing a lot of it throughout the country right now. It's kind of, it's kind of becoming like the Brussels sprout, <laughs> where I'm seeing them everywhere I go. I had some terrible Brussels sprouts today. <laughs> oh well, okay. So now let's discuss this. So, so everybody understands that he owns and runs and operates the number one French fry Instagram account, the no, more more or less the number one burger account that's out there with the Burgerati, the Steak Club that's out there as well. Started Burger Week, and you've got a great palate. You know what you like, and now what? Are you talking about my current situation? I'm talking about your current situation. <laughs> so on Labor Day, <laughs> on Labor Day, I was mowing my lawn. Uh, something I hated doing as a teenager, now as an adult, I love. Um, and my lawn, just everybody understands, is sort of. I live on the end of a hill, so my my lawn is raised up. You have to take stairs to get up into my lawn. And I'm standing on the retaining wall at the side of my lawn, you know, doing my edging like pulling my lawnmower down and uh, the retaining wall has a couple levels, like four different levels. And I, I basically lost my footing and I sort of like stumbled down the, uh, the retaining wall at the bottom of it was a plant, an empty planter that my neighbor had. I put my foot right into that as I was trying to catch my balance. I spun around, shot forward and landed palm first in my neighbor's driveway. The aftermath of that is that I have two broken wrists and a calcaneal fracture in my uh, left foot and i'm currently living in a rehab facility which is also kind of known as an old folks home right i've been here for three weeks 
I'm going to be here for at least another two weeks. And I'm basically stuck to a life of where I was eating steaks and burgers and pizza. And so now eating hospital food every day. <laughs> but, but the funny part about it is you've actually turned it and, and have been able to continue to market it. Uh, yeah. So I'm basically, basically taking like food porn style photos of my, <laughs> of my hospital food. You, know, putting, you had a fucking, what was that? Was that a Salisbury steak the other day that you had? You're like, it's got gravy and next to it is mashed whipped potatoes or like with cheddar on top. It, it, it was, I think it was yesterday's poster. You had like a, like a fried pork loin or something. <laughs> yeah. So I'm taking this like really low grade frozen, like, you know, cheapo hospital food and I'll like plate it and, you know, get the right light and take the photo <laughs> and like sort of photo correct it. And I've been sharing, there's a collection of them on my Instagram stories if you want to see them, but it's been a really fun way to like sort of enjoy this crappy situation. <laughs> That's right. But then you also did something like a week and a half ago. That you said, hey, look, I'm, I'm holed up here. There's nothing I can do. You guys want some marketing on your product? Bring it to me. Yep. Uh, I said I tagged a bunch of uh, a bunch of other Instagrammers and, and food bloggers who were in the New Jersey area and they kind of helped me and they reached out to some of the restaurants they enjoy. And almost every other day since then, I've had a restaurant show up here at the rehab facility with literally bags of food or, you know, piles of pizzas. And so it's kind of fun. I'm still getting, you know, I'm still able to do what I do. It's just a lot harder because I have two broken wrists. So like the other day I was trying to take a picture of it, holding a stack of hamburgers. You have no idea how hard it is to hold a stack of hamburgers <laughs> and your wrist is broken. <laughs> so it's what? everybody here is like almost twice my age or older and they see me like plating my food or like going outside of my wheelchair with a pizza in my lap, trying to get the right lighting. <laughs> like <laughs> Nobody knows what's going on. <laughs> now what was, what was the, what was pancake day? Uh, uh, so it's sort of a, a colleague of mine started this company called pancake pancake. And it's like, gourmet pancake mixes that you can order. And he has lemon and mocha and chai latte. And a friend of mine was like, dude, I feel bad. Can I send you some pancake mix? And her name's Isla. She's awesome. And she goes, and I was like, yeah, yeah, sure. Send me some. And she's like, no, I'm sending you a whole bunch. I was like, oh, then I'm going to host a pancake party for the residents of this rehab facility. <laughs> so it, I mean, it's literally an old folks home and it's all like, you know, grannies and grandpas, 80, 90 years old. I mean, I'm 45, so I'm not young, but, right. um, and we basically had like gourmet pancakes yesterday. It was like, Oh my God. And we, we got a whipped cream and funfetti and I brought in syrups and different frostings. And I don't know if you saw what I, I, I posted, but I, I, had a, I had a stack of pancakes nine high with like more frosting than it should ever go on. A pancake. Yeah. I saw that. I saw it melting down the side with the funfetti on it. <laughs> <clears throat> so and now all of this at the same time, which you, you're married and you have a, you have a son who's two. That's true. Your poor wife, dude. Uh, and they, yeah, they got the fever this week, so they're homesick. I oh fuck! Yeah, lovely. But she she has been she has been amazing. She's been uh, unbelievable. If it wasn't for my wife, I would not be getting through this. And uh, I, I miss her very much. And I miss my kid very much. And uh, I, I really like I feel like I have people here 24 hours a day that can help me in my situation. Sure. She do, she doesn't. So yeah. you know, kudos to her for being able to, to deal with this because he's a two year old. So it's not like you can just go, hey, kid, dad's in the hospital. We'll visit him on Sunday. Like he doesn't. I got it, but it's, I mean, you have kids, you know, it's just not an age where he sort of understands. And so it's been real hard. Yeah. That's tough, man. I don't want to keep any longer. I know you've got a, you've got, you've got dinner coming in any minute now. It, well, it is five o'clock. Uh, <laughs> so yes, this is typically when food comes, but I closed and locked the door so nobody could come in here. <laughs> lovely. Lovely. <laughs> uh, 
All right, Rev. Well, dude, thank you so much for hanging out with us. I really appreciate it. And uh, my best uh, to you and your family and uh, in the speedy recovery of getting this back so that you can get back to doing even, well, to, to doing 100% of what you're doing, which I, how I can say you're not doing 100% right now, I have no idea because <laughs> I'm shocked at the stuff you're still putting out. Well, thank you, Chef. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk with you. This is really, really fun. Thanks so much. Cool, brother. All right, do us one more time. Tell us uh, who you are and how we can get in contact with you. Uh, my name is Rev Ciancio. I'm known as an expert burger taster, uh, but really I like to help restaurants market themselves better. Best way to find me is all my screen names the same on every single platform, Rev Ciancio. Uh, or you can just Google Rev and Burgers and you'll find me. Awesome, brother. Dude, thanks so much for your time. Take care of yourself and I'll talk to you in the next week or so. All right, thanks, buddy. Man, I told you he was going to be awesome. <clears throat> I told you. I, I I mean, he he did not let down at all. Um, we We really... Uh, I, I just, I had so much fun talking to him when we were out, you know, whether we were, we were riding a bus going from farm to farm or, you know, <clears throat> sitting in a, in the back of a pathfinder while we're going to zips to have some burgers. And, you know, when, when you find somebody who's passionate like that about what it is that they do, it's kind of neat to watch them work. You know, I, people say to me like, Hey, I love watching you cook. My buddy said to me today, you're so funny when you cook. Cause when you explain something, you hold it the same way every time. And, and I learned some really cool tips and things from, from Rev about some of the marketing that I do and the posting that I do as well when in regards to lighting and stuff like that. So I hope you guys notice a little bit of difference on some stuff that I'm going to do for the next couple of months coming up because I did, I took a lot of tips from what Rev had to say. Um, I, I highly suggest that you follow it, follow him. I have the hiccups now. I highly suggest that you follow Rev. He is uh, he's a talented dude. He's a great person and a really good personality. And I'm really glad that I've been able to kind of connect with him. And I'm looking forward to going and having some meals with him when I get up into New York, my next round. And, you know, maybe we'll stop by the hospital if he's still in there and check him out. But uh, Rev, thanks for so much for hopping on. Um, that's it for me for today, guys. It's another wonderful Friday morning. I appreciate you allowing me into your houses and your brains and your ears and all that stuff. We got three people that we got to super thank right off the bat. We got the boys down at radioinfluence.com who put this whole thing together for us at the drop of a hat. Unbelievable gentleman who I just truly love and respect. That's radioinfluence.com. Check out some of their other podcasts that they have. Also, Maggie Gagliardi, the wonderful human being who and, and creative brain who puts together all of the illustrations that we do. Follow her on Instagram right now. It is at MagsArt, M-A-G-Z-A-R-T. We've also got our, our good friend out there in uh, Illinois, uh, Miss Michelle, who takes care of the website and puts all that fun stuff together and keeps, it up, keeps us updated and all that great stuff. Um, thank you so much for checking out Duffified Live. Please go on over there to iTunes. Send us some really good reviews. Do all that good stuff and tell your friends have a great week and be fucking nice to people didn't get duffified enough follow chef brian duffy on facebook and on twitter at chef b-r-i-d-u-f-f look for the blue verified check mark to get exclusive content and to see what's coming up on next week's show this has been duffified live with chef brian duffy on radio influence Hello, everybody. This is Ian Beckles. I want to tell you about my new show, The Cannabis Podcast, which will be powered by True Leave. It's not about being potheads. It's about the knowledge of medical cannabis. And there's a lot of rights and wrongs and a lot of things we don't know. So we're going to bring a lot of knowledge in and we're going to get to the bottom of medical marijuana and how it can help us all out. The Cannabis Podcast it will be available at RadioInfluence.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and TuneIn.